Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I'm putting the finishing touches to my Lessons from Loss podcast. Who are we meeting this week? Well, I've been talking to Katrina. She lost her hearing and we talk about how she discovered that self-care is really important. That sounds really interesting. Does the porcupine feature this week? Well, no, but we do talk about nature reserves. Right, let's go. Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them. In this episode, I'm talking with Katrina, who lost her hearing after an illness, and she talks about the impact that has had on her life and the things that that she's changed for the positive as a result of this hearing loss. So welcome along, Katrina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So can you sort of talk a little bit more about about how this all happened? I had a really bad virus about 10 years ago, which was a bit like COVID now reflecting back. And I was over in America trying to have a jolly holiday in Disneyland and I got very sick quite quickly. And I ended up um, having a Disney doctor don't remember much because I was so ill and being in Florida A&E and was told I was quite ill and the most thing that happened was it was like a really bad cough I couldn't stop being sick and I had a fever um because I was on holiday and also because I was thinking about the holiday insurance um I got myself out of the hospital within two days but I noticed after I came back from holiday and the adrenaline had finished, there was quite a few problems with my body. So I had, it managed to attack my liver and my lungs. And I remember going to the heart specialist and he said, I asked him how, what would have happened if it had got to my heart? And he said, well, you wouldn't be sitting here, which was great, I thought. And then I noticed that my hearing wasn't, what it was, I was getting really bad tinnitus ringing in the ears. And then I, I sort of tried to adapt with it. I kept going to the GPs and they kept saying, no, you know, you can't be tested. You're too young. And then I, in the end, after about five times, I sort of gave up and I thought, well, perhaps it is in my head. And then I was at work and my manager pulled me aside and said, I really think your hearing is very bad. And I said, yeah, yeah, I have got one bad ear. Then that was like a lightning strike. So I thought I'm going to go off to a private audiologist and get a recording. So I sat there with the beeps or trying to think if the beep was there. And of course it never is. And with my shock and horror, I hadn't got one bad ear. I'd got two very bad ears. Oh, gosh. So... I came out of there with a chart and the audiologist was very good. He was a private audiologist and said I'd got severe hearing loss. And I was a bit, oh, really? (laughs) Do you think that you already sort of started adapting to it, do you think? Well, I think that was the problem. I'd been adapting and I think I'd learned to lip read. 
And I think what I thought was I had one bad ear and I think I was just oblivious where everyone knew that I was really bad (laughs) hearing and they were just humouring and, you know, letting me get on with it in my little bubble. Mm. So I was quite shocked, actually. I said, I need hearing aids. And I was a bit sort of taken back because, A, it was very expensive. And I sat there and I thought, well, I really need them because I've got to work. And I knew the NHS is a nightmare trying to get into it. Mm. So I sort of ordered some hearing aids and then took the audiology chart home. And I was in a little whirlwind, I think, of I'm really bad hearing. (laughs) And it... I didn't realise how much it impacted me until later on. So I went back and had my hearing aids. um, And they're very gentle with you. They don't tell you the impact. They just say, put them on. This is how you change the battery. And I remember going down the road and I was shocked at how much I'd missed in all those years. And I remember walking through the local park hearing the birds singing and I thought I haven't heard that for years Mm. and the time I got home and I was a right old state and I walked in the door and had a good old cry because I was quite happy and then I think it was like a bit like when you grieve with loss I got really quite bad depression and anxiety from trying my brain trying to adapt to hear and I think what happened was I was totally blown away by how bad my diagnosis was I think I probably needed someone to say look have a little bit more softly rather than just say you've got severe hearing loss you Mm. need hearing aids off you go (laughs) um I'm laughing about it now so I I think what they should have done is when I had them fitted, they should have said, you can get depression, you can get anxiety. And it's an incredible process of trying to work out because you start off wearing them quite um, let, quite, you know, infrequently, and then you build it up. And I got incredibly dizzy and bad vertigo because my, I think my ears were trying to adjust. Right. Um, then I got a really, really bad, um, I couldn't stop sleeping. So I went to the doctors thinking I was menopausal or thyroid. And she diagnosed me with severe depression, anxiety, which was a shock again. Um, cause I'm so you didn't this. think that you'd, I that you were suffering from that? No, I had not a clue. I was very suicidal. I do remember. Um, but. I think what happened was I was coping with the loss of the hearing, coping at what had happened to the virus. I think I'd lost my dad. I'd been made redundant four times. And I think it all came up like a little Jenga block. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then I had quite a bit of time off work because what I found was I was working in an open plan office and my brain just blew up. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, because you because see of all the noise around you. Yeah, all the noise. And I think people don't realise when you have a hearing aid, it, it increases the sound. 
but if you have more than one sound, your brain can't adapt. So it was it was interesting. And I had the aircon going, I had people with their mobile phones, and I had photocopies. And I remember coming to, and then I started getting very, very sensitive to sound. And I think I came to one of your events and we were running along a road and I had to give up because the noise. Mm. And that's when I went to the, the GPs. So I thought, I've got to sort this out. So in the end, I had occupational health twice and then I had access to work. And I think my problem was, we had a lovely office and then I moved over to another four into another department where everyone had their own hot desk and no one would give up the desk that I needed, which was well, uh, having something behind you and a screen. And I was right. put right in the middle of the office. So I had about three months off work and started to get myself better. And then COVID hit and I had a huge wobble because I was so paranoid I was going to get COVID because oh, I'd nearly yeah. died before. Yeah. And I knew that I've got really bad asthma. My lungs are not as good as they could be with the virus. And I knew what happened. And I, I at one point I thought, oh, I'm going to die. from. I'm going to, you know, I was getting really really badly paranoid because mm. I work in public health so I have COVID all the time yes then I was yeah. going I was going I was switching on the tally and they were saying there's 2,000 deaths today and it was freaking me out I, I, I realized now so again I phoned up the GP and I think I said I really think I need to go on antidepressants because I also felt I was lacking some hormones. Mm. She signed me off for a month. And I know people say about antidepressants and they're very, very sceptical of things, but I tried CBT. That didn't work as well. And I start, as soon as I started the antidepressants, it was like a little window had opened. Yeah. And then that's when I decided to get myself into order and create a hearing loss toolbox as they're described okay I mean well done for for having the antidepressants because yeah I there are some people who who don't like them and, and it's and it's not the route for them it's about finding what what works for you what do what do you need and and we're all different aren't we yeah I'm on very low level but I think being 53 and perhaps there was a lack of hormones yeah and I find the worst thing is I get incredibly tired so I have to have half an hour concentration and then I've been I went to a lovely hearing link link up which was talking to other hearing loss and deaf people and they gave me some really good tips and I found out I wasn't the only one who needed an afternoon nap because mm. um, that must it must take huge concentration it to is. be to be I suppose um, discerning the the noise the noise and the words that you want to hear away from everything else that's going yeah. on plus so what, the concentrating on lip reading as well. well <laughs> what I found is 
starting to wear the hearing aids. My brain's got a little bit lazy, so it's now relying on the hearing aids. Oh, okay. So less so my what, lip reading. Yeah, so I'm lip reading. And then what I've found is I didn't know until quite recently is you have to have probably, I was sort of having a break and I was using the computer, you know, not the ears in a quiet room. No, that's wrong. You have to have a complete break. So sit down somewhere and just relax for five minutes or go for a walk. And um, I still get, I have to just have a cat nap or something, you know. And then I, I found that I wasn't the only one who was struggling to hear more than one person. So I've got quite, not militant, but I know now that works for me. And I had a team meeting with 50 people last week and I knew I couldn't go. I wouldn't be able to hear. I just have this wall of noise. And it, it's absolutely, you just can't even decipher any voice. And I never knew that was going to happen. They never told me that at the audiologist. And they never tell you about the hearing fatigue. And I think they should sort of give you a little toolkit. Yeah. Because So there wasn't a sort of a support group available at that time. You, you had to go and find this hearing. I had to find, yeah, I had to find everything out. So I found out some lip reading. I had a classes and I found a really good tutors so I was gemming up on that um I found the hearing link the link ups that were fabulous I I actually found um deaf for deaf counseling which oh, okay. has been really good um it's people who are either deaf or had deaf relations and I managed to get funding for that I paid privately and they've been really good. They've made me more strong and quite militant and to question things, but not to get bitter. Yeah. So I, I think that's the main thing. But I think if I'd had, had a little toolkit at the beginning, I'd say you might end up with depression because 67% of people with hearing loss suffer from depression. You'll get hearing fatigue. I think I might have been better. Mm. um not just handed hearing aids and then off you yeah. go yeah 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 so is this something this sort of hearing loss toolkit something that you've kind of developed for yourself yeah I have I've developed now that I need to have a break yeah and then I've decided to write a blog um called been here before as in here yeah um because I was having some experiences that were quite funny and I've made it quite flippant, but I got run over by a six-year-old on a bike because I couldn't hear them. Oh, goodness. I've had a cyclist, I think, swear at me because I could lip read the F off. Yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> quite it, a, an obvious one to lip read, actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Electric cart. So I thought I might need some bubble wrap and I was going to go on Dragon's Den as bubble wrap. Um, I've been nearly run over more cones than I can I've lost my I've lost my sense of you know crossing the road I'm very mm -hmm. good in a car because I'm but I nearly got run over by the DBS electric van golf court the other day because I couldn't hear that coming they're challenging for people with full hearing anyway so yeah they so. are so I think 
that's something they're going to learn with. And I've done sort of like little flipping things and I found sort of a board that's a bit like an old Etch-a-Sketch called oh, the yeah. board that you can write on. I've got, um, I've got a laminate and I've got all sorts of stuff. So I've got built this toolkit. But I think it's having the support behind you. I've got an incredible workplace. Um, my manager absolutely gets it. And he's really, really good and supportive. Um, I found that people say they've got equal opportunities, but even I didn't know what happened. So I think I'm on the upward slope now of being finding out everything in the toolkit. So it's like looking at uh, the Royal National Association for Deaf or Hearing Leap, doing lip reading. British Sign Language isn't probably good because hardly anyone uses it. Not being afraid to say, I found I can't say to someone I've got a hearing loss because they don't understand it. I have to say to someone, look, I'm deaf, which I'm not technically deaf. But I do have incredible wobbles every now and again when mm. I think, God, I've got to live with this for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you, do you have anything that you do to help you get through these wobbles? Well, I have the counselling, but also I've found that I like, I've started knitting again. This sounds very oh. domestic, doesn't it? Um, and I go for a walk. And I do like a sort of cycling and spin on a spin and things like that. So I do an exercise. And then I've realised I got told off by the council the other day because I was frustrated with having to nap. And he said, if you need a nap, you need a nap. You mm -hmm. know, just have a nap. And I think it, 45 minutes is the nap time. And then yeah. you feel refreshed. I guess and it's I about giving yourself permission to to do exactly. those things to look after yourself yeah I think I didn't you see I didn't give myself permission I've also started doing a lot of research so I've been with the University of Nottingham doing some research what's the research that you're involved with the research was um University of Nottingham and Leicester and they're trying to research into hearing loss and they're, they're researching about how to make hearing aids better. Okay. And there was some research into stem cells for people who have got very bad hearing loss. So I thought that's quite useful because I can actually say, like I am today, that people need a toolkit when they have the hearing aids. Don't send them off if they're particularly quite young. Mm. Um because they do need to know what they're doing and they do need to know about the hearing fatigue. Um, and I think there's something, even when I went and got my NHS hearing aids, there's nothing about anything. You, you're just given this pack and off you go. Yeah. I didn't even know how to change my eardrums, you know, which if they get wax in them. Um, so I did a very good research on about what do you think people need to know when they get hearing aids? And it is, it's like a little toolkit. So when I develop my blog, I'm going to put a bit more about that. I found out Facebook pages to share. And I found that I went to a really good um, social care in my county. I've got 
team called Sensing Change. So they told me about doorbells, fire alarm. Well, obviously, I can't hear the fire alarm. And then it's all these tools that I use, subtitles, and I'm always trying to find something that's better. So I think I've gone the other way around of going, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm not being a victim because I can't stand that. But I want to find what what is out there and make sure that I can live to the best of my possibility, really. Yes. And then through your blog, then being able to share that with others. Yeah. So that they I, can they don't have to perhaps take the length of time that it, it took you to to find all these things out. Yeah, I think you're right. And also what is good is also using this and my blog as an educational piece. So if someone miss, meets somebody who's got a hearing loss or deaf and they are struggling, they'll know exactly that they might not be able to decipher. If you get tired, you sometimes see the, the words, but you can't, your brain won't let you communicate. Yeah. And if there's sort of a noisy environment, make sure you face people. So there's one in six people with a hearing loss. And that's quite a lot. That's a lot. Yes. And I think it's sort of an education needs to be done. So after I had my antidepressants and got on my little assertive, I did a case study for my work. And I had an interview with various people. And one chapter to me, oh, I think you're ever so brave. And I thought, well, I'm not really brave. It's just something you've got to live with, which was quite interesting, really. Yes. Yes, because it's not, you don't, you don't choose to have it. <laughs> but I suppose <laughs> it's not you, brave. But I suppose you, you choose how you deal with it. I suppose so. I don't think I dealt with it very well to start off with. And then I'm trying to go and rectify it. So... But it's an, it's an uphill battle. You've always got to have your batteries. You can't wear hearing aids in the rain. You can't wear them if you exercise. If they're windy, God help you, because you feel like you're going to take off. You always have to think of something. So I, I don't know what you do. You just have to make the life better, really, don't you? Yeah. And you're right about it being an education, and it's it's an education for people who are who are just started their their hearing yeah. loss yeah to whatever extent it is but it's also an education for people who don't have any hearing issues as to actually the impact and what they can do best to help somebody who has got yeah. problems I with think, their hearing I, yeah I think it's an old cliche to be kind but I went to the shop the other day and someone, I just couldn't hear them through the mask. So communication is really bad. And I kept saying to him, I really can't hear you. And he said the ultimate words of, oh, it doesn't matter. But it always does. And uh, I've had a couple of people say to me, well, the trouble you catch, you're not deaf, you don't listen. Um, How am I supposed to listen? Oh my goodness, how does that make you feel? Um, one of it was a friend who's now become quite a distant ex-friend because that's when I was really, really ill. And I thought, if you said that, you have no idea. I realised she's one of those people that all the problems with her. Mm. And when she said that, it was a light 
gone off in my head. Yeah. And of course, she was the victim rather than me. And I was really upset about it. Um, and I was quite shocked, actually. I think that's an experience. I think if someone said to me again, um, the trouble is you don't listen, stay with the trouble is you, you don't look thick or something like that, or you don't look stupid um, and have a comeback, really. But at that point, it was my lowest point. Mm. I was quite suicidal. And for someone to say that, it's just, I look yeah. at it now and think, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, I and think, also just that comment about, you know, when somebody, when you've said to somebody that you can't hear and I mean, all the, the mask wearing must have been a really challenging for you. It is an absolute nightmare. And I've learned to go into local shops and they're quite, they're quite nice and kind. But I had to go to pick up my prescription on Friday and I said to the lady, I know what you're going to say. This is my address. I can't hear you. You're going to shout over the counter and I can't hear you because I'm, and she laughed and she kept back and she showed me everything and she was quite kind. And it, but then I went into another shop where the woman wouldn't remove her mask, even though she was in a plastic yeah. screen. And it all depends what you get. It's an absolute nightmare. Mm. I spent, I think someone could sell me sand and I'd nod. I've got noddy dog syndrome. Because I just haven't got a clue. Yeah. So I chuck money at someone with the hope that I'm given the right amount if there isn't a till. And I've tried to cheat. I, I try and find cheap ways to manage, but it's incredibly difficult. And exhausting. I can perfectly understand why you would need to have a, a nap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I gave someone an extra £20 the other week, last week. Because I haven't, I don't have to get all sorry. And then you feel completely, you can feel completely and utter like an idiot. Yes. Because you're coming across that you've not got a brain cell in your head because you don't know what people are saying. Yeah. And then the worst thing is if you get people who, you know, mumble as well. And then I've had someone I was trying to lip read before this with a beard. And that's not helpful. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's just, you just can't communicate. It's complete and utter nightmare. <laughs> yeah, gosh, I can't begin to think how challenging that must be. I'm like a dog with a bone because I have to keep reminding people. And if I don't tell them what I need, who's going to know? So that's what I do. Um, I'm trying not to become bitter and militant. I do it with a laugh and say, like, I can't do that. I think the trouble is people want to include you and they try and make things accessible, but actually it's just a token gesture that just does not work at all. Yeah. So what would be the what would be the best way that somebody could could help or make your life easier? I think for the mask, lower the mask and then just completely face person say it normally don't talk slow because there's nothing worse than people talking slow because it yeah. alters your jaw yeah don't shout because that's not going to help because you're still not going to be able to hear no and then if the person doesn't get it have a bit of patience perhaps write it down or perhaps say it a different way 
or just signal you know and just be be kind and patient I think that's Mm. that's the thing what I have found is having an invisible disability is quite hard I had another person say to me well you've got eyes haven't you but would they have said that to a blind person and I think that's the thing. I know ITV are doing this big thing about invisible disabilities, but it's flagging away. I think it's a lot better than it used to be, but you have constantly on an education. Yeah. And I'm not going to solve Rome in a day, but I'm going to keep having a go, I think. Keep plugging away. <laughs> oh, good for you. So what would you say has been sort of like the, your biggest lesson from, from all of this that now guides your life today in a positive way? I used to go out and enjoy bands and put my earplugs and everything. But ever since COVID struck, I've decided I like my own company. I love the outdoors. So I went for walks and nature, just done the gardening. I've really just decided what I really like in life knitting and baking and I feel very relaxing and I've decided that I don't like too many people and the stuff I used to do I'm not sure if I needed to do but I've also found there's some incredible support out there and it's quite vital to learn lip reading and I have to say a lip reading lesson is the most fun I've had it's just absolutely hilarious you meet some really good fun people they're all equally as bad and deaf as we, I am, but they are so much fun. I realise that you only pick up 30% of a sentence when you're lip reading, so it teaches you tips. And I just find it fascinating that there's, there's words that sound the same. You could get yourself in a pickle, and I have a couple of times. And I just think it's being relaxed, really. And if I need a nap, I need a nap, really but also just educating people, really. And So would you say your life, you know, having had this period of time where you're sort of reflected on actually what you really want to be doing in life, so rediscovering your love for nature and doing your knitting and your baking and, and having a strong sense of community around yeah, you? De- yeah, I've decided I've started volunteering Suffolk Nature and doing oh, stuff okay. I do on my own, so... I have a little roots and we go along and you monitor them and make sure that the footpaths are okay. There isn't any rubbish or anything. And I really enjoy that. And I've just volunteered to do a beach clean and said to the guy, can you make sure the person knows I'm hard of hearing? Because if it's windy or raining, I'm not wearing my hearing aids. I just think it's quite nice. I like my own company because there's nothing worse than someone said, oh, should we go for a walk? And I'm like, I don't want that. I'll go for a walk with someone who knows me really well. But I just want to walk. I've got to put up an act as such because I'm not going to be able to hear anybody. And I want to go and just relax and watch the birds and everything else and not having to bother. So I have Fridays off now. Friday is my me time. I will probably almost every Friday go for a walk, go somewhere along the beach look at the sea, might go for a paddle. And I love it. And I'm quite religious about it. And it's saving me, I have to say. Mm. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like it's a real kind of act of self-care to replenish you. Yeah. From an otherwise do. exhausting time trying to yeah, be I able think you to need keep self-care. communication. 
I'm doing volunteering that suits me mm. and I can do it on my own time not on my on my own and I actually really really quite enjoy just having a chill relax having that self-care do you think now that you're better at doing the things that you want to do than perhaps you were beforehand when you were perhaps doing things that you thought others wanted you to do or that maybe you you just kind of went along with do you think you're you're better at you you know you know what you want and what works for you now I think it's hard sometimes to actually explain to somebody because you're always worried about making sure that person's quite happy I have people say oh should we go for a walk say yeah that'd be great but I never organize it because I don't think they get the fact that I have got to listen and it's going to make me incredibly tired and that Friday I need to recharge my batteries that's my battery charging day yes yeah if I don't do that my brain's going to blow up so the last time I want it sounds awful is to actually have to listen to someone yeah and, and do it I just want a little bit of nature and enjoyment really yeah, but you now know that for your, you've yeah. learned that that's, that's what you need and that's what you stick to. We always think that we've got to be with people, but actually sometimes being on your own and having that think time and that me time, people think it's quite selfish, but actually it really isn't. If the people want you to do something, they're the selfish ones because they've got to think about the person who needs it. So I think with the loss, I think it's become a very big journey. That's still a journey. But I've quite like what I've discovered, to be honest. I'm not going to ever recover from, you know, the hearing's never going to come back. But I've got to make life, for me, um, mm. and they're enjoyable, really. Yeah. Well, it, and it sounds like you're doing a great job of it. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm trying <laughs> to be positive. I can't, I think, you know... You could be bitter and twisted and say, oh, yeah. and be grumpy, but it's not worth it because you're, you're going to make you yourself anywhere. worse. Yes. No. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think it's stuff like this which is very useful what you're doing because there's all sorts of loss and it's very difficult and you have to do it yourself, a journey of self-discovery. But yeah. then if it helps someone else, it's incredibly beneficial. Absolutely. Because, you know, some of the things that we've talked about today that that you do, I mean, particularly the things around self-care and really getting in touch with what is right for you and how you want to live your life. You know, that that applies to to anybody who's gone through any form of of loss. I found that care is really important because you you like a spring. You can become so coiled up and then. As I said, I never realised that I had severe depression and I'm not sure I would have done because I didn't know the symptoms, but CBT just didn't work for me. And I think it's because it's more brain and thoughts. And I know I needed to just go and have a little rest and a bit of quiet, really. Well, quiet as I can have with my tinnitus. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Katrina, for sharing your experiences of hearing loss and all the positive steps you've now put in place. Self-care is so important and I've learned a lot too about what steps I can take to help someone who has hearing loss. Links to Katrina's blog, beenherebefore.com and other charities are in the notes. If this episode has brought up challenging emotions for you, do please reach out to your support networks. 
I'd like to thank my support network for enabling me to produce this podcast, Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and most importantly, you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another lesson from loss. Thank you.